Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo tabbouleh, real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, the podcast where I interview amazing humans with amazing minds, but all we care about is what is in their bellies. My guest today, I am so excited. I couldn't be more excited about my guest today. He is a Peabody award-winning reporter at NPR's WNYC. He's written for Political, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The New Republic. He was previously a reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer, The Courier Post, and The Daily Record. (laughs) He's known for his coverage of New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and is the author of American Governor, Chris Christie's Bridge to Redemption. And now he covers immigration, refugees, and hate. Yes. All the haters. But more importantly than all those credits, he gave us the title for this podcast, Green Eggs and Dan. Please give it up. I'm do- like I'm hosting a comedy show. This is the best. Give it up for Matt Katz, yes. everyone. Matt Katz. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for being here. That was the most enthusiastic welcome I've ever had. For real? Yeah. Really? Yeah, normally, you, you know, public radio, it's like, and now our guest is Matt Katz. Michelle Norris. <laughs> Today we have Matthew Katz. Do they give you guys, uh, like, oxy before you go on the air? <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt uh, is not only... Uh, an extremely uh, well-respected and uh, revered journalist. He's also, I'm going to say, I was going to say one of my best friends yeah. in the world, but probably top, 10. Probably top three, I'd wow, say. Wow, nice. Yeah, I top three BFFs. And yes. uh, because of that, we've enjoyed a lot of meals together, mm-hmm. um, and we can talk extensively about that. Uh, you, Matt is uh, glue-tarted, dairy-tarted. Oh, Dan, you don't even know. It's gotten so much worse than that. Really? Of late, yeah. Are you going to get a lot of shit from the NPR listeners when they're like, Matt heard someone say glue-tarted and didn't <laughs> stop and walk off? <laughs> that is not an appropriate word. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So then why are you winking at me right Gluten now? Gluten-resistant. Gluten-resistant. Okay. Um, you give me all the appropriate words when I like Latinx. Yeah, I you, you told me about right. Latinx. Yep. We couldn't call them. Uh, what was I calling them? I don't, I'm not going to repeat it, but <laughs> I tell you what you can't say anymore. Yeah, you tell me what I yeah. can't say anymore. Yeah. So basically, our conversations have just become me staring at Matt <laughs> and him staring back at me. Um, one of my favorite times of the year is I do a show at, at UPenn every year, and uh, Matt lives in Philly uh, with his wife. Uh, Deb and uh, I love Deb. She is always a wonderful host, and we always end up going out to a wonderful dinner, right? Uh, which you usually curate. You get it ready. You know how much how important this stuff is for me. Sure. Um, and uh, the last time we went to a vegan restaurant, what was it called? Veg. Veg. Considered one of the best vegan restaurants in the country. I didn't love it. You were hungry afterwards. I was hungry afterwards. We did go to an izakaya place yes. after. Yes. Double, double Knot. Double Knot. Which you also enjoy. You've I been love a couple Double times. Knot. Double Knot, great place in Philly. You yep. go downstairs. It's yeah. hidden. You know, it's one of those like, am I at a speakeasy? <laughs> right. Like, it's fantastic. Um, but uh, And then we usually come home and drunkenly Postmates yes. uh, Philly cheesesteaks. Yes. Which this year we got them from where, Pats? We got Pats this year because they have, um, it, it comes so quick. It's like 12 minutes. Yeah. I think 12 minutes this year. Unbelievable. We like ordered it and then we went out to the stoop and then the guy rolled up. Yeah. 
Was this the year that rolled up on the bike? That was two years <laughs> two ago. Two years ago, someone came up on a <laughs> <Yes>. bike, <laughs> and we were all fucking stoned. And no, we weren't stoned. We I were. Mean, st- I don't know what you were doing. I was stoned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you introduced me to Philly cheesesteaks as well. I, I knew nothing about them. There was uh, the. When we got when when I came to Philly for the first time, you you gave me the whole tutorial. Yeah, it's very like race based. Yeah, there's like there's like the black Philly cheesesteak guys. What That's was true. that one? That's Jim's on South Street. Jim's on South Street, which I think is probably my favorite. Yeah, my I agree. And then there was the Pats, which is like racist Italian. No, the, the Gino's is the one that had the you must speak English when ordering sign. Right, right, because right. Because right. they, they are open almost 24 hours a day, and they didn't like that there were day laborers, like Mexican and Central American day laborers, who were right. coming there for breakfast and ordering cheesesteaks in heavy accents. Yes. So he, Gino, put a sign up. Yeah. By the which way, Gino, a bit of a t- Gino, sponsor of the podcast. Uh, so you, <laughs> hope, you got you have to be able to, to speak English to listen to this podcast. That's <laughs> yes. what Gino tells us. Um, and uh, well, before we go into more yeah. more about Philly food, which I love Philly food, let's go into your fridge. Okay, we have a great picture of your fridge here. You can check it out uh, at Stand Up Dan the Instagram. It's up there. Um, I'll be explaining what we have uh, in general here. In general, I'm seeing a theme, by the way, of like you can tell who's married and you can tell who's single by their fridge. Jammed. Um, this is jam-packed, yeah. organized. Well, was this staged for the no, picture? No, well, we, Don't we lie to uh, me. on Sundays often we'll do some food shopping and then there's some reorganization that goes on. Yeah. Deb will reorganize the fridge. So I, you happen to catch me right after a reorganization. I mean, I can walk you through it. It's really beautiful. Well, there's there's a couple things I want. Yeah, please. I'd like to start with. Yeah. That that come get come at me right away. First of all, a lot of wonderful artisanal beers. <laughs> yeah, I can explain that. Art- okay, go. I had a fantasy baseball draft of neighborhood dads. Okay. On Friday night. Yeah. And they all bring their fancy beers and loaded them up in my fridge. Yes. The reason I have the draft is to get the fancy beers, but. The reason why there's still so many left. Also, there's Miller Light. Yes, which is the, the people's beer. Yeah, it's the Mill. You know, Miller Dads. <laughs> that's the sta- that's the main cheap dad beer for my neighborhood. Oh right. Okay. So there's always a couple. What's of those your tall favorite boys. cheap? Uh, what's your favorite cheap beer? No, I used to be uh, Coors Light guy, but I've moved to, to, to Miller Light. Really? What about you? You live in the High Life. I like. And the um, High Life is a different beer. Miller isn't Miller High Life. This is Miller Lite. Miller High Life is a yeah. different. I'm living the high. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I misspoke. I apologize. <laughs> What's your favorite cheap beer? Um, I am a. I like the Japanese beers, like Sapporo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're crisp and nice. Yeah. I think actually. That's not re- yeah, okay. What? That's not. That's not your cheap like you know, drinking, have twenty in a hot afternoon beer, is um, it? That would be like a Coors Light or a Miller Light or a Bud Light. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I'm just asking. You're, what, flipping? you're painting me as a pretentious person. I mean, you said Sapporo when I asked what your favorite cheap beer is. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. Um, let's start over. Yeah. Ask me again. What's your favorite PBR! cheap beer? <laughs> PBR, bro. Love me some PBR. Although PBR actually has corn syrup in it. Huge debate in the beer community now about this corn syrup in your beer or not, which what? started with the Super Bowl ads. Remember those Super Bowl ads about the Bud Light uh, Gilly Gilly guys? Uh-huh. And they're like, uh, we have, oh, th- we got delivered a bunch of corn syrup. And they're like, let's go give it to, was it the Coors people that they go to? Guys? Anyone? You remember this? <laughs> Anyway, whatever the competing, yeah. I think it was Coors. Okay. They're like, we've come to deliver this corn syrup for you because we don't use it. And then there was this huge 
court case. There's a lawsuit um, where Coors is saying, if it's Coors, we'll find out in a second, um, is saying we don't actually have corn syrup in the beer. It's used during the fermentation process. And then they're like, yeah, well, of course, no one has sugar in their beer. It's all fermented into alcohol. That's how beer is made. Right. So there's a whole thing. But PBR also uh, has, has corn, corn syrup. syrup in there. And that's, I think it's so incredible, by the way, that that's even on people's minds now. Yeah. There was a Super Bowl ad right. about they use corn syrup in blue-collar beer, and it's lowering the sales <laughs> that's amazing. of the beer. I mean, I remember when I got onto the corn syrup uh, got hip to corn syrup yeah. after reading, uh, what was it, uh, Omnivore's Dilemma. Okay. And no one was talking. And I would right. be like, oh, is this corn syrup? Like, right. shut up, loser. <laughs> it's in the, it's, it's, it is in the, uh, it's in the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist now, exactly right. It's a Super Bowl ad. PBR is um, kind of famous in Philly because the Philly, uh, the, the citywide Philly special for a long time was the can of PBR and a shot of Jim Beam. So okay. you go to a bar and you get the PBR and a shot. You just say it kind of the special. Yeah. And it's PBR and a shot of Jim Beam, which was how much money do you think that cost? Uh, five bucks? Three dollars. Get out of it here. Just went up to four. Uh, it's damn five dollars in some places. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can get hammered if you don't tip for less than $10. That's what that meant. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I don't love PBR though. I mean, I said it to be uh, like to sound like one of the people. Yeah, but you don't like it. I don't love yeah, it's it. Not that good. I do. I I don't know, man. I I don't like the cheap beers. Tecate is that? Can we consider? Yeah, that? yeah, sure. I like oh, the Mexican legit. cheap yeah, beers. That's good. I like the international cheap beers. So I haven't had beer in uh, seven weeks. For real. Which is why there's still so many beers in my fridge, and my wife is uh, freaking out because Seder the Seder is coming Passover, yes. and she doesn't give a shit that it's like. Not you know kosher for Passover. It's more like there's not room in the fridge. Oh, okay. But I'm off beer right now because of gluten. Then we could spend this <laughs> entire time talking about my medical issues. I'm now, as of yesterday, I'm off lettuce, <laughs> strawberries, peaches. My favorite fucking fruit, by the way. Which is your, what's your favorite fruit? First of all. What part of evolution is trying to get rid of I'm you? Do you not to. understand? <laughs> you should not be alive, Mad Cats. I know. Peaches? This is all temporary. Peaches are taking I'm you this out. This is temporary. I'm, yeah. Why? I'm, I'm, I decided to see a special doctor beginning okay. of January. Is it like a hippie doctor or like a real doctor? MD. Okay. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor is a, uh, it, it's Med school functional. In, med school in the Caribbean. It's called functional. Med school in the Caribbean. I haven't looked up the records. <laughs> functional medicine. Okay. So this is a way of, you know, preventative and dealing with gut health What's and all sorts of things. Now? What's wrong with you well, now? Well, I just. Seriously, Somebody dude. told me that. We'll it's, go out and Matt, we'll just like eat, be eating a meal and Matt will get up and go vomit and come back and keep yeah. eating. Like a. Like an insecure 16-year-old girl. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very secure in this. I know. It's no, not I, just that way. It's also the other way. Somebody told me oh, some months Jesus. ago that it's not supposed to hurt when you poop. Did you know that? What are you talking no, about? No, because it was hurting what regularly. Talk, what are you talking about? Peabody Award winning <laughs> Mac. I'm just saying, I was having gastro... I wanted to get on top of this, so it it's costing a lot of money. to poop? Like, yeah. like, like hemorrhoidy stuff? I mean, you know, I mean, we can... We don't need to. You're. You, I'm just telling you. I was having some issues, so I went to this doctor. Okay. And they put me on this um, 
diet to to stabilize my system okay because it was concerned about inflammation i also had picked up a couple of bacterial diseases back in 2018 so i'm dealing with those as well oh my god so Dude, uh, your body is so, not so, <laughs> meant to be alive so if you were if you were born if you were born any a century time, ago any other time yeah you'd be, uh, uh, yeah. here lies seven-year-old matt Katz. <laughs> <laughs> that's when my that that is when my stomach it started hurting be, yeah really what well, yeah Oh man! What uh, there a was a block party on my block when I was seven, and uh, somebody made pigs in the blanket down the block, and then I ate. Uh, so I ate like you know eight of them because pigs in the blanket are amazing, and then I spent the entire block party in the back of my mom's Maxima, um, trying to not throw up but also throw up, and that's oh. when uh, that's that's sort of when it began. That's when it began. Actually, that's not true. It began earlier when I started having ear infections due to dairy. In any case, so I'm off at the you moment. Fucking loser! I'm <laughs> oh, I had ear infections because of the milk. I'm trying to get on top. I'm trying to stabilize the gut, so then I can eat freely. Matt also for the rest sort of, of looks like uh, Jimmy from South Park. So imagine, just like no, no Do Timmy. I? Timmy, you look like, a little Timmy-ish. <laughs> you look like Timmy. That's... Your insides don't work. Yeah. Oh man, it's and you have a beautiful wife. Thank you. It's unbelievable. And children? And uh, oh, two of my favorite kids. Yeah, I love your kids. Thanks. They're you good. don't they're, like the way that I interact with your daughter. Oh, you. I mean, you talk shit to her as yeah. if it was you and I. Treat her like an adult. In your sob when we were like sixteen. <laughs> Treat her like an adult. Yes, you certainly do. <laughs> and I think I'm one of her favorite. You are. Uh, you one are. Of her favorites. You are. Because I do that. And you're in the Hollywood. Um, you just, so you do have two kids, so, but it, I don't see like so many. Kids. Well, you know, my my four year old still oh, likes his um, sippy top. cup. He loves his sippy milk. Cup. He's also I'll, I'll I'll give you a little tour. So um, he's um, smallish, uh-huh. like you know me. So I asked the doctor, and the doctor last week told me to go to whole milk instead of the two percent milk. Okay. So we got a couple, and he loves milk. So he's got we got two percent. We got the milks. Yeah. And then we got the beers. I was hoping you would notice. Something in the top center, because it's unusual. Bone broth? Yeah. Really? Do you know what bone broth is? I know. you're, Dude, you're into all the, the hip So my fucking, doctor- Let me guess. You no. put turmeric and everything now, too? Because well, it's against inflammation? Yeah. Inflammation is the root of all the dude, problems, man. literally- I'm telling you. Oh, God. That's what my doctor says. You're like so my selling doctor, me Herbalife. You're going to start selling <laughs> me Herbalife soon. <laughs> I spent $175 on supplements yesterday. Oh, my God. So anyway- so uh, the bone broth, which is the the um, it's skin of a, of the, the bovine, that's what where it's come from. No, that's not true. That's the cell gene peptides. Oh my! I'm on those Listen as well. You, so the bone broth is the bone. Just stop. So the so I make this eat whatever you want to eat. Egg, you can't say that anymore. Oh. So I make uh, egg drop soup now for <laughs> breakfast. Okay. With bone broth, ginger, like a shit ton of ginger, okay. chopped up. Um, and I use what's the the salt? You know, you people use all the time. You people, you know, you foodie types. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was an Iranian thing, which it usually <laughs> usually is. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, I was thinking, uh, like sumac. Is that it's what you're like talking pink, about? Himalayan salt. Oh, okay, yeah. Do all that. Yeah. Um, and the ginger, um, and the bone broth, and um, uh, bok choy. 
And does it help with it? Is it supposed feel, to help with something? Or I no? feel, yeah, it's supposed to be all like gut healthy food. And I just feel it sets my system on a nice path in the morning. I love soup in the morning. When I was in Vietnam, you have, you have pho and, and French pressed coffee in the morning. Yeah. It's like a great way to start your day. Which, um, a very cool, well, you didn't go to Vietnam for work. That was no. an in-between thing. But right. one of the cool things about your job is you get to travel to very interesting places yeah. for your work, yeah. which uh, in uh, July, yes, I'm joining you. Is, is that happening? I, I'm at 92%. Yes. Matt is, uh, tell them tell what you're getting. What going, you to, going to Japan. I got a um, uh, journalism fellowship to study and report on the uh, refugee policies of Japan, which are quite uh, unique in that they don't take, they basically just don't take any (laughs) refugees. Yeah. And that they need immigrants desperately because they're, they have the, 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 they live forever and they have hardly any kids. Um, So they need um, refugees to take care of their old people and they don't have enough of a labor force. Right. Um, So they're, and they need people to build stuff for the Olympics next year. So there's this movement to loosen refugee laws. And they're into tentacle porn. And I they're don't know what that is. Porn. They I like know what tentacle that is. porn. Uh, I'll, I can report back oh, on that. You can use that in your in your NPR story yeah. when you're listing all the things about it. <laughs> <laughs> also, they like tentacle porn. Um, yeah. So, the, so, so you're you're gonna be covering a, yeah. Kurds. You said yeah. There's, there, like, there's Kurds. There's Congolese. They're living under. You know, there's some of them are like living in the shadows, working. Some of them are actually like um, getting. Some there's a handful of Syrians that have won asylum there and are allowed to stay for a little while. So I'll be talking to those people, and then I'm going to do a episode for a new podcast we have coming out WNYC um, called The Stakes, right? And then a, a magazine story as well. Very cool. Um, and they're like kind of um, overtly racist about why they don't want refugees, right? But they give more money to the UN Refugee Agency than almost any other country, so they like kind of buy their way out of the obligation. Hmm. Um, yeah, apparently white supremacists cite. Japan mm-hmm. a lot when they're like, this is why we need a white country. Because right. Japan, they're cool with it. Why yeah. can't we just do like the Japanese? Yeah. Um, very excited though. You're going for how long? Six weeks. And I'm coming for the last week. For my birthday. For your birthday week. Yeah. Matt uh, is is putting me up. He's got a place to stay. Yeah. And he's got fixtures in Japan, which I, I've been to Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and it is one of the most magical places on earth. And I cannot wait to eat my face off with yeah. you. Yeah. We should we should we just like just eat? All day. Just you take whatever you buy boom, all boom, the little boom. all your little supplements you need, bro. Yeah, because we are not holding off. We're gonna have all the dairy. Am I gonna be your able? Ears are gonna, gonna be put... fucked from all the dairy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put my supplement powders in like little Ziplocs, and I'm wondering about how that's gonna go over oh with customs. God, you know you what? I actually might be canceling this trip. <laughs> We're going to go to like a cool little ramen joint and you're yeah. going to be like, oh, my, can I, do you mind if I pour my supplement package <laughs> in your, in your bra? <laughs> in your bra. <laughs> you know I do, though, consume everything. You do. That's I what I love about you. I suffer the consequences, which is why I'm trying to get my stomach stabilized so I can continue to enjoy food. I do love that about you. And like, I think, uh, I know a lot of people with dietary restrictions, especially in LA, mm-hmm. and they like to just like tell the world about it like oh this is what's going you no you don't tell anyone i'm telling you, you I mean, just sort of just silently vomit it. in the corner and come back <laughs> <laughs> like nothing happened yeah uh big story that you covered last year yeah uh, or two years ago last year the, the refugee oh yeah um in what country and he, he he's a he was a congolese refugees in a refugee camp in malawi in malawi right and you spent and you went to the refugee so basically long story short 
He was in the Congo. He was doing some anti-government stuff. Why don't you tell it? Yeah, yeah. He was in the Congo. He's a law student. He protested the president. Um, he gets arrested. You can't do that. The Congo, the, the Congo has had a despotic government for quite some time, um, and he um, ends up getting surviving a firing squad. Um, the rest of the people that were leading this protest got shot and killed. He he watched that. He experienced that, and then he fled the country. He ended up two countries away in this little sliver of a country called Malawi, where there's refugee camps. And he spent 11 years in the refugee camp, which is just amazing because people spend, people actually spend 20, 30, people are born in the refugee camp, have kids in the refugee camp, die in the refugee camp, uh, particularly in Africa. It's incredible. It's like Club Med though, right? Oh yeah, it's really lovely. So uh, he, he while he's there, he met a woman, also a Congolese refugee who had her own harrowing story of surviving um, yeah. persecution in Congo, uh, fell in love, got married, and then he got... Um, uh, actually, and he he while he was there, he learned English. He got a college degree in the camp, um, and then he was in uh, got admission through the UN Refugee Agency to move to the United States and settle in the United States. But he only had one ticket, so he figured he'd fly here, and then uh, President Hillary Clinton would just continue to allow lots of refugees to come in the country, and then his wife would come after a few months. But he actually got here in October of 2016, right? And things sort of changed the following month. And mega, his mega, wife, mega. His wife is still um, in the refugee camp in Malawi. So I was spending a lot of time with him. He had, um, he, when he got here, he had a very interesting job. Um, he worked at a sushi packaging plant. Of, uh, it was basically a fish packaging plant for sushi restaurants. So I went and he worked the overnight shift. And it was freezing. It was middle of winter. And then there was a freezer, which was negative 20 degrees, that he had to go in and get the fish and bring it out to like the five degree area. Wow. And chop it up, package it up. And then it would get sent to the best sushi restaurants along the East Coast. Get this was the here. main distribution center. So they'd get like their fish from all over the world. From Sea of Japan. Wow. There was sea urchin and all kinds. I mean, everything was in there. Very cool. And it would come fly into Newark Airport and then go to his little... Um, you know, warehouse uh, a few miles away. And on on this overnight shift were refugees from all over the world chopping and packaging the best fish, sushi, the best sushi stuff that, you know, they're holding fish in their hands that's going to end up being worth, you know, $1,000 a plate at some omakase joint in Midtown, right? And Do none they know of them, that? Do they know how they expensive were, it's going to be? No, and Andre had never even had sushi. Yeah, like you would know. He had no even concept of what it was really going That's to be hilarious. become, and it was all almost all refugees in there from all over the world: Philippines, Congo, wow. um, you know, Rwanda, all, all parts of Africa. Did you go to the packaging plant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hung out there for a night. It was amazing. What's it like there? Is it like super clean? Is it like, uh, you know, it was like, um, uh, are there are there is this is there the high end fish and then there's the middle fish and yeah. the low end fish? Yeah, there's and then there's also the like the the accoutrements like the uh, the chopstick area and the soy sauce area because they'll they're it, it's a kind of a one stop shop. So they do all that kind of stuff and it's owned by um, Koreans uh, from the, uh, the the church known as the the Moonies, the Church of Are the you Reverend serious? Moon. Yeah. Koreans, um, huh? They have a it's cultural appropriation, bro. They have a um, massive, uh, you know, fish packaging empire, um, and he was my window into that world. And his m boss, the manager, who's, who's, who's a white American, um, extremely passionate about food. I mean, he talked to me about Chilean sea bass for like you know forty five minutes. Patagonian toothfish. I've never heard of that one. That's Chilean sea bass. Oh, okay. Chilean sea bass. Yeah. 
uh, we used to be called Patagonian toothfish. Okay. And that didn't sell it well? Wasn't, it was, they weren't moving any fish. <laughs> so I wonder why. That's so amazing. they were like, we got to change the name of this. They yeah. changed it to Chilean sea bass. It's not a sea bass. Right. It's not a sea bass. What is it? It's a motherfucking toothfish. <laughs> <laughs> but after they did that, they went like almost extinct because like people were like buying it up so much. Yeah, amazing. Um, but now I think there's sustainable practices for it. Uh, that's pretty cool. So, so you, he I, did but, that, and then I went to Africa. But that's the thing. You went to Malawi, to the refugee right. camp. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of, of crazy stories about the people there and the things you've seen. But you know what I care about? The food? Yes. What well, did you eat in the refugee so camp? So in the refugee I guess? camp, I didn't actually I'm thinking eat. a lot of cassava. <laughs> was it cassava heavy? Yeah, totally. It was? No. Oh, what is cassava? Wait. Cassava? Wait, what cassava is that? Cassava is like a root that is like... Uh, is it an African root? It's an African root. It's very... Can we look up cassava? It's like a... It's a, is it easy it's like to a come main by? Form of sustenance oh, okay. type situation. Oh, maybe. They, ha- they have this like um, corn flour. Uh-huh. Stuff that the UN food program, the World Food Program, provides them, okay. and they get like um, a bag a month, and then they can also buy rice if they have like side hustles, which would be like going into the bush to collect firewood, and you know selling that or turning that into charcoal. Um, it is, and then people also have like livestock. Like there's some you'll see some random chickens walking around and whatnot. Interesting. I mean, it's uh, there's not a lot of food whatsoever. What do they do with the flour? Um, they they cook it up and kind of eat it like, like porridge. Like a porridge? Yeah. And I did not eat in there at all. You didn't? I, I, I brought um, oh. a ton of uh, sna- snack bars and uh-huh. Nutri-Grain bars and that kind of thing, which I both like... Um, gave, which I was intending to like give to people, you know, give you know, just when I'm talking to somebody, you know, here you, you here, yeah. I, I would share a nutrient bar, but my fixer ended up like eat, you know, he loved them, <laughs> so he ended up eating all of them, um, or most of them, and then he and the fixer would take, was just like a waspy guy from Connecticut, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would be eating all this food you right. brought for the refugees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he took me. He lives in Malawi, in the capital city, Lalangwe, and one day after we went to the refugee camp, we were hungry. Um, I was particularly hungry because I didn't have any of my Nutri-Grain bars. Um, and he took me to his favorite restaurant, which was a place owned by um, Indians, as a matter of fact, oddly enough. Um, and it's called Mr. Chicken. And that's really? part of the reason why I'm dealing with some stomach issues. Mr. Chicken? Mr. Chicken. You think Mr. Chicken got you? Mr. Chicken gave me, I know, Campylobacteria. Really? Which is a foodborne illness that comes from chicken poop. By the way, Mr. Chicken is a sponsor of this podcast. Oh. So, uh, you know, th- it was probably just a one-time Mr. Chicken, thing. it's not as shitty as Matt <laughs> claims it to be. <laughs> Mr. Chicken. Mr. So, Mr. Chicken, um, I ate this chicken, which felt, it tasted to me as a little, like, undercooked, but maybe that's the way it works there. Um, so Your I website got... doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Chicken's website is down. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, so I get this bacterial infection. Um, the next day I'm at church in the refugee camp and I start to feel very sick and I tell my fixer, oh, we gotta, we gotta go. And he takes me to a, um, clinic and I get to the clinic and then it runs out of power. So I'm in this darkened clinic, but they gave me a, um, a, you know, antibiotic 
in my veins as opposed to an oral antibiotic. Yeah. There they just give you like the highest dose of whatever yeah. they've got and they shoot it into your veins. They don't mess around with the pills. <laughs> and the good part about that was I felt better immediately. Like yeah. it was instantaneous. And then I was able to work, which was great. Um, but then uh, I, so I had to go back to this clinic every day to get a re-injection. Um, so uh, a week later when I'm getting off the plane at JFK airport, I was literally, I was like OJ running through the airport. <laughs> to the bathroom and something was off. And then uh, I went to a doctor in America and I found out not only did I have this campylobacteria, I also had what's called C. diff, which um, if you had actually, you know, C. fulfilled diff. your parents' dreams and gone to medical school, you would have raised your eyebrows about this one because this is a, C. Sorry, diff is, is that too close First of all, C. diff is my favorite rapper. <laughs> Love C. C. diff. C. diff is a very, uh, problematic bacterial infection to the point that the Department of Health in Philadelphia was alerted to the fact that I had it and a no woman way. called me from the Department of Health and interviewed me for 20 minutes to find out where I got it, where I've been eating, and who I've been in contact Fucking with. Fucking Mr. Chicken, yeah. bro. You so got I, got by Mr. Chicken. And I feel like maybe my whole balance has been jacked up since then. Really? Yeah. So have they gotten rid of the bacteria? They say it doesn't last... I think it's bacteria. I think bacteria is the plural. Bacteria. Did I say bacterias? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Because back. Guys, yeah. that's the end of our podcast. <laughs> we can never come back from that. Um, they. I, I don't know. Did, have they gotten rid of the bacteria? Yeah. They. They say it's not supposed to be there a year and a year later, but. I th but it, what it does is the, the, you know, the antibiotics, I was on the always potent antibiotics that kills the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. But you were staying at a hotel in Malawi, right? Yeah, yeah. I stayed at a, um, uh, like an inn where what there was were... the food like at the hotel? Oh, it was very good. Was it? Yeah, it was good. They, it was, it was sort of, um, yeah, the coffee was great in the morning and they had like, um, Is the coffee, I'm always curious about this. Is yeah. the coffee, like, since that's where a lot of our coffee comes from. Right. Is it like local coffee? Like, hey, we got this from next door. Oh, or does question. it like go get processed? Does not have to be roasted elsewhere? It does have to be roasted, but I'm curious if like they can just like, they take off some of the beans for themselves, just roast sure. them on a fucking frying pan and then, you know. Right, I know there's like a movement to try to do more of the roasting locally where these beans are harvested, but oh, really? I don't actually know where the um, the British people that ran this in, where they got their coffee from. Interesting. Um, they, would, uh, they would save me dinner because it was a communal dinners, and there were like scientists and other journalists that were all staying at this place. We'd have these like fascinating it conversations. It sounds very it cool. romantic. Like, it sounds very cool. It was cool. It was like, they, you know, dim the lights and, you know, you're all sort of like, it felt like you... Everyone put on a British accent. <laughs> yeah. There, there were some like unsettling colonial elements yes. to enjoying kind of a comfortable, lavish meal right, in a, right, one right. of the poorest countries in Africa. Um, but there's really kind of no other place to stay. There's that and then there's the Chinese drinking? hotels. Were you guys like drinking booze? I was drinking Black Label. D had Black Label there? Yeah. Wow. What else booze-wise? That was all I was drinking. They had beer. They had beer. Yeah. But I, I just went. And there was a, it was an honor system at the for the for the bar, love that. It's the best. That's very cool. Because <laughs> I'll pay for the drink, each drink, but uh, my pour might be heavier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. These little evenings that you guys would have. Yeah, um, it was cool. And there was one German doctor there who was diagnosing my bacterial infection, and he was very upset about the way they handled my situation. Yeah, I imagine. The yeah, he was field right. hospital in Malawi isn't up to standards <laughs> of the hospital in Dusseldorf, you fucking asshole. <laughs> um, 
And then before that, you had an epic trip to Afghanistan. Right. Um, to cover, what were you covering in Afghanistan? Uh, I was uh, covering a the story of a doctor from Philadelphia who is like kind of a pacifist. Um, but he was, but he, when he was in medical school, he couldn't afford medical school, so he figured he joined the Navy and they'd pay for medical school. Um, so he goes to medical school, and then the Navy's like, "Okay, happens. now you." Oh, it was it, it was after nine eleven, but he thought the Navy meant that he'd go to like Okinawa and just like chill out. Yeah. Instead. Chill out. Get have get, do some opium and get yeah. with some island ladies. Exactly, totally chill, <laughs> like and then the get movies. your free medical degree. And you know, instead they they apparently we needed people in Afghanistan, and we're running out of Marines and soldiers, so they sent these Navy corpsmen. So we ended up in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan, near the Pakistani border, um, and uh, I went there only because he had graduated from a high school near Philly, and I was working for the Philadelphia Inquirer. I had no other story. But when I got there, um, that's when I found out he had sort of an interesting situation right. going on, which was that the base was like um, bombed by, they were hit by mortar fire by the Taliban every few nights. And right before he left, um, uh, he an adoption that he and his wife had been working on for several years from Ethiopia because they hadn't had trouble getting pregnant. Um, they found out that their adoption had gone through and a week before he found that he was being deployed to Afghanistan, um, him and his wife found out that they were getting little Abraham, their future son, from Ethiopia from an orphanage. What? So now he was going to be leaving his wife with his newborn and also that week she found out she was pregnant. So he was then going with this pacifist doctor, was in the middle of Afghanistan getting like mortar fired, you know, every night grabbing a weapon and running to the outskirts of the base to protect it and he had these two newborns at home and during like I was there with him we'd be like smoking cigars outside the medical tent and then the siren would go to say that there was a um, air raid that there air raid, I don't know what they call it fire. incoming fire right so he would he would be on the phone with his wife and be like oh I gotta go someone just came into the clinic with a little flu or something and then he would end up going grabbing his weapon and then you know, going to look for Taliban. Holy shit. And I would go into the bunker with all the Tibetan and Nepalese uh, cooks because on the base, all the cooks are not American or Af Afghan. They're, you know, South Asians. Interesting. Um, because they're cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so I would be in these little bunkers, you know, nervously, you know, bumming cigarettes from these <laughs> the Nepalese guys. <laughs> Nepalese guys. Uh, have you guys ever seen Everest? <laughs> Just like making dumb conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what was the food like on the base? It was plentiful. I mean, you could get, like, for breakfast, there's one of everything, you know. I mean, it wasn't, like, Was it, like, an American flavorful. breakfast? Like, American eggs and bacon and... Eggs, no, probably bacon, not bacon. Waffles. Was there pork? Yeah. Really? Interesting. You yeah. think in a Muslim country... No, we're like, yeah, we, they, we well, they were, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they weren't going to not. I'm sure the pork industry lobbied to make right. sure that they were getting those military contracts to right. send that good <laughs> Iowa pork over to Afghanistan. Um, it wasn't very good, but it was totally plentiful and it was also available, you know, at all times, and which then was it, great. Am I remembering correctly? Wasn't there like a, a story with like a wedding that you went to or something? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Can you can you talk about that with a, with an aspect on the food and stuff like that and yeah. drink? Um, wasn't there booze involved there was, too? Like I didn't bootlegging. There wasn't really food. At, there, but there were two weird things about this wedding. One, I never saw the bride because the men and women celebrated on entirely different floors of the um, 
wedding hall, my fixer, the guy who like helped me out, um, who was on the base, he, I went with him to Kabul to do some more interviews. And he was the guy who like took me around, drove me around and whatnot. And he, he ate all your his power cousin, bars. <laughs> yeah. As all they your do. fixers is jacking power they bars. always do. Uh, he took me to this uh, um, wedding of his cousin in Kabul. Never saw the bride, but we were, cause we were all like dancing with the men on one floor of this wedding hall. Um, and I just made a, um, you know, casual remark to his brother that, you know, I'm like, you know, this is the first happens to be the first wedding I've ever been to without alcohol. And he's like, you want alcohol? I'll get you alcohol. And we got in his car and we drove through the streets of Kabul and we went to a alcohol dealer. No way. I went into a store. He talked to the guy. The guy went to a back room and in a paper bag, he gave him um, a six pack of German beer that I never heard of. And then uh, we get into the car and he gives me a beer and he starts drinking a beer. I'm like, are you sure? You know, we're driving. He's like, you know, alcohol is illegal. So there's no law against drunk driving. Interesting. You can, you know, ban something that already doesn't exist. This is so funny. It was Wait, what, fun. what was the front? The front for the it was like a bodega. Thing. It was like where you would buy like a you know a Lucy cigarette right. in America. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's always the, you know the front's always the same regardless of the culture of the country. Yeah, and then the Afghan what was the food at the Afghan wedding. I'm imagining a lot of rice. You no, know, there I I ate um some. I didn't really eat at that wedding, but I went to people's homes. Were you like, and they oh, would I have two bacterial. Oh, no, that happened after. <laughs> they would, I, I ate a lot of rice on <laughs> floors in people's homes. The um, hands? Are they hands? Hand um, rice people or no? They are, yeah. They, they had like a laffa like bread um, and then very um, chewy, large chunks of meat that, may, that smelled like horse. That happened in one place. That smelled like horse, but may may have not been horse. Like the meat smelled like horse meat. Yeah, it's yeah. How do you know what horse meat smells? Well, like, Well, it smelled like a horse. Like I know what horses smell like. And you think that the meat smells like the animal? Well, I is that? I don't know. Do actually, chickens I'm, not, I'm, I'm, uh, do does, I don't know. <laughs> does the rest of chicken smell like if you picked up a chicken? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what chicken. Ah, interesting. Um, can we Google find out if there's horse meat <laughs> in <laughs> Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Ikea the meatballs. There was horse meat. I've actually eaten horse meat um, in uh, Montreal because it's a big uh, in Montreal. They do it a lot. They do horse tartare. Really? Which I've had, which is actually delicious. So it was raw. Yeah, it's lean. It's super lean. It's almost like bright red, like almost looks artificially red. Was it chewy or it kind of? I mean, it was like a tartare, so they, it was yeah. like ground up. Um, but uh, horse is served in a lot of parts of the world it's just like we in the west that like are like grossed out by yeah why don't we do it because we're like oh they're cute animals we're very against cute animals although also like i guess since we ride them but like in eastern europe they eat a bunch of horse um the french eat it sardinia is there a horse eating people i mean rabbits are cuter than i guess we were against a lot of people against rabbit eating as well yeah but lamb is the cutest that's true i mean it's it's weird selective cute you know um Maybe because we feel like we have a bond with horses because yeah. they riding and we use them to Not me. To... Not me. I fucking tartared that motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Do they like breed horses for food no, consumption? No, I don't think so. I think they take like an old horse. An old horse who's like done and they're like send him to Poland. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there was like a whole like 
there was a whole thing that they found out like they were sending horses from from races to Poland that weren't they that yeah. couldn't run anymore and like you lose them. the race and yeah. then you get and then you get turned into an IKEA meatball <laughs> wow and it was like a whole thing is there but, any meat you would not eat me yeah well, I who probably, else would I be what do you mean me who else would I be talking to just now wow okay, okay. I'm sorry go ahead is this how you are with no, Michelle Norris? What a dick. No, she doesn't ask <laughs> stupid questions please, like me. Please, please, I can't wait till you talk to the Malawi refugee and they <laughs> use one grammatical word they mess up. You're like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> you stupid idiot. Um, I probably wouldn't eat an endangered animal. Oh. I would eat dog if it was culturally correct. Okay. If I'm in Korea and someone's like, yo, come to, you know, my house. Right. We're, we're doing some, you know, Doberman Tartar. Sure. <laughs> Whoa. But polar bear. I wouldn't eat a polar bear. I wouldn't eat endangered. I think that would be my that's thing. A, that's a good uh, line. Yeah. I think that's my line. I Like whale, I don't know about whale. We're going to be in Japan where you can get whale. Oh, yeah. I don't know if whale's actually endangered or that's also on the cute list and people are like, you shouldn't eat whale because they're cute. Right. I don't know if it's like a, if, if there's enough whale to go around. Right. Um, they can't really farm whale. You can't farm well. And also, I know, I mean, from, from watching Deadliest Catch, it's, like, kind of shady how they do it. They're like, they're like, we're using it for research. And, like, they're like, yeah, we need a thousand of these whales for research. It's uh, like, no, you don't. Yeah, we know what you're doing. So. We'll get back to Matt in a minute. But first, a couple of fun facts about cassava. It needs to be prepared correctly or else you'll die eating it because the root has traces of cyanide in it. Another fun fact, cassava is the same thing as yucca. Hence that famous song, you say cassava, I say yucca, cassava, yucca, yucca, cassava. Let's not die of cyanide. Let's not die of cyanide. Yeah. All right. Back to Matt. We have to get to the second part of the podcast now, okay. which Great. is uh, where I ask you some rapid fire questions. We don't really have a name for this part of the podcast. So I try to come up with a name. With the guests. You okay. came up with the name of the podcast. Right. So maybe, what, what do you think this should be called? Where you get like the rapid fire. It yeah. can't be quick fire because that's like Top Chef. Um, Could we do something with like um, vomit? Like uh, like because you're vomiting answers. You know, you're... Uh, you, you always got to bring it back to your fucking bacterial yeah. flora. Well, I just... Because I might vomit. Because <laughs> I just had an avocado toast on gluten-free bread. Yeah. Wow, you are frail, my friend. <laughs> An avocado toast can take I, you out. I went to a gluten-free, before I got on the train this morning, I went to a gluten-free, uh, dairy-free kosher place uh -huh. um, that is like fancy-ish. I mean, it's, it's just expensive. It should I just bought... be called Jew-friendly, by the way. <laughs> That's insinuated. That's gluten-free and dairy-free. Right. <laughs> Jews, welcome. I don't know. It's only Ashkenazi Jews, though, who ha seem to have more stomach problems. Yes, like yes. you guys, the no, Sephardic. We don't. Well, because we grew up eating, like, you know, wacky, spicy, this and that. Right. Foods. Right. Not bland, like... Borscht. Eastern European foods. True. Um, uh, okay. Ready? Yeah. It's time for Vomiting with Matt Katz. Yes. Which is also going to be the name of his new NPR show, <laughs> Vomiting with Matt Katz. <laughs> Right after All Things Considered. <laughs> uh, what is your earliest food memory? I mean, I, I hate to play to the part, but um, when I, I remember going to my favorite treat as a child were, were go, was going to New York City, and they had this place that no longer exists. I don't know if you remember it. It was called David's Cookies. 
No. Do you remember this? Oh, I think I do. They were like these little shops. I mean, this is like early 80s, so this is before cupcake spots on every corner. Yeah. And it was a little shop, and it, they made these big cookies, and you could smell it down the block. Soft, right? Soft. Yeah. Like um, large and big chunks of chocolate or whatever else. Um, and my... Uh, biological father would take me there on my random weekend visits with him and then I'd come home and get an ear infection. Shout out to biological fathers. <laughs> yes. All of you. Yo, oh. you gotta handle your business and that business does not involve kids. We get it. You gotta take him to David's Cookies and then see him off. <laughs> and send, him to the, send him to the Port Authority. <laughs> right. Send him home to their mother who'd wonder why every time I came home from my father I'd have an ear infection. So I have this ear infection. I end up back going... Back to the fucking ear infection? Yeah, so, but this is my earliest food... My two earliest food memories are going to get these cookies. And then I went to the first allergist in New York or America, this guy, Dr. Geller, who was like way ahead of his times, like 1981. And he put me on a uh, an elimination diet, okay. which is similar to what I'm on now, but whatever. Um, and so one thing that people are not allergic to, like no one is allergic to, are sardines. So one of my huh. earliest memories is having sardines for breakfast uh, in kindergarten and being sort of anxious about not having, you know, like Fruit Loops and with like all my friends. That sounds like the worst thing you could do to a kid. And then I found out that I was allergic to um, milk. So then um, I would, which meant no birthday cakes ever at birthday parties through elementary school. It also meant a no pizza at birthday parties, which is the only thing that's ever at birthday parties. And this was, by the way, in the 80s before There's... it was like, can we have two cakes? One right. for... <laughs> totally. And do you know the one thing, non-dairy thing at a pizza place in the 80s in Queens? Uh, garlic knots? I don't think there were garlic knots back in the day. Okay, what? Meatball sub. So, um, in sixth grade, we were allowed to leave elementary school for, um, because it was the final year of elementary school, to go down the block for pizza, for the pizza place for lunch. So we would all run down the block, everybody would order their pepperoni slices. And I would, my mother would call the night before to place an order for the meatball sub because oh it takes, because no one orders the meatball sub. So it would take a while for them to prepare it, but they would never oh have it God. ready. So I would, at the last five minutes before I had to run back, I'd sit there like hungry with all my friends. And then I would get this massive meatball sub and take a big bite. And then we'd have to run back to school. But then this meatball. Yeah. So my earliest, I was. By the way, I know your mom very well. And I'm just picturing her. Very loving and caring. Loving and caring. And wanted to make sure that I would not be left out on these pizza excursions. Yeah. I think it was character building. You know what I think it is? Are you ready to get me deep? <laughs> I think yeah. because your father, your bio, mm -hmm. kept abandoning you. Yeah. Your body was abandoning oh, the food. Oh, was I was rejecting it. You were rejecting it. And that way, anything that he gave you early wow. on, you associated with someone who rejected you. And so your body subliminally. Yeah was not subliminally un subconsciously wow was uh, was rejecting all the foods that he was giving you are we still in the rapid fire <laughs> no this is actually an intervention oh my green God. eggs and dan is not a real podcast matt hold <laughs> on all right all bring, in bio, bring in the biological father <laughs> are these guys are psychoanalysts <laughs> yeah they're all recording you for their <laughs> master's degree um uh so okay, that's my so sardines memories. that's a sardines and meatball subs what is your death row meal my favorite 
my favorite food product are potatoes. I love potatoes of, yeah. any, of any kind. Oh, I think goodie. I would have um, garlic mashed potatoes, hmm. and then I'd like something sweet afterwards, and I would have the kosher for Passover jelly rings. You know, what? Things. That's so disgusting. good. <laughs> They're so good. They're also non-dairy. They are, you know what I'm talking about, right? You would choose to have kosher for Passover I could eat food those. as your last well, meal? Yeah. Maybe you're more of a Jew than your 23andMe says you are. That <laughs> <laughs> might be true. Can uh, I have booze? I would have also, can I have booze at my last Yes. Night? So I had a black label on the rocks. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. That's the Scotch-Irish side. Um, just a quick aside. Have you ever had Hasselback potatoes? No, what's up? Oh, I got to make it for you next time uh, you're in LA or I'm in Philly. You take a potato. You slice it uh, uh, horizontally, almost to the end, so it basically looks like a deck of cards almost, like really thin slices of the potato, of the raw potato. Olive oil, garlic, salt, pepper, put it in the oven. It cooks like that. It comes out, and it's like crispy on the outside, and it's like, again, it looks like a, like 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 uh, pages of a book sure. of potato, though, and it's such a fun way to do potatoes. Do you eat? Do you eat it with your hand? Like pick it up like a potato. You can pick chef. it up with your hand. You can use a fork. Cool. It's like a whole potato, but it's delicious and very fun. The kids would love it. All right, great. I'm gonna make it for them next time I'm there. Uh, what's the best high end meal you've ever had? Um, about twelve years twelve years ago, uh, I took my wife, who was then my fiance, to Israel, and we ate at a place called Mesa in Tel Aviv. And I think, and we, for lunch, and it was a tasting menu situation, uh-huh. um, like 12, 13 dishes. Um, and I, I think it was because I had not really experienced like high end culinary cuisine yeah. of that kind before that it just like blew, blew our minds. It was the first time we ever like took a picture of, of what we were eating. Like we didn't know what it's most of it was. cell phones, you're using a film camera. Yeah. We were like out in the <laughs> restaurant, exactly right. Um, the plating, it was the first time I experienced like expert plating. Yeah. Like everything was beautiful. There was like foam. Yeah. That stuff, which I had never seen before. Um, it was all, it, that I think, so that kind of still stands out to me, even though I might maybe have had equivalent meals since then. Okay. Mesa. This- Mesa. I, I knew I, a friend of mine's cousin was a chef there. That's the only reason I would have even gone to this place. And then we did the cheaper option to go during lunch. Bro, we're running out of time, but this reminds me of a story that I can't believe we didn't talk about. What's that? Which is one of my favorite meals I had with you, which was at Zahav. Zahav. In Philly. And the way we got the reservation was I called and lied and said that I was a chef at the Spotted Pig. Right. Because I interned at the Spotted Pig for a couple months, and like I used to just get into restaurants by saying, I'm a chef at the Spotted Pig. So we do it, and they like roll out the red carpet, and your wife is not a good liar or bullshitter. No. And she hated the fact that they were coming over like, you're at the Spotted Pig? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, brother. And then the chef came out and Mike, he was like, Michael I'd Salam like to give you a tour out. of the kitchen. Oh and Deb got up and she was like, I... She was like First hyperventilating. All, she was she was like eighteen months pregnant. <laughs> she she felt she was on Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> we felt like well, this was our town, and this he's he was is probably still the most famous chef, the the biggest celebrity chef in Philly, Mike oh, Salaminov. Um, and he sat down with us and yeah. was super nice. And you taught you like bullshitted your way about the, through the whole conversation about bad. the spotted pig. <laughs> I was like, yeah, April sends her regards. She's the chef of the spotted. Pig. <laughs> 
<laughs> Your wife wanted to kill me. Anyway, that was But very we've funny. continued. It actually wraps around the way we were talking about earlier because we've continued going to Salamanov restaurants. His restaurants are my favorite. Now we go to uh, Abe Fisher every yes. time. Abe Fisher is one of his restaurants in Philly. Mm-hmm. It's like Ashkenazi Jewish food, but high end right. and like tasting menu. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. All of his restaurants are great. We're going to have links to them uh, in the Instagram. Best low end meal you've ever had? Um, I mean, I got to go with uh, Philly cheesesteaks, and I'll go with, um, should I go with Pat? Pa- no, I, I like, uh, what's much call it on South Street better? Jim's. Jim's. That's my favorite, too. Um, best, oh, restaurant pet peeve. What is your restaurant oh, pet peeve? Oh, it's easy. They don't, they take my f- plate when I'm not done. 100%. They don't do that in any other country in the world. Yes. I, have you ever been to another country where they Mad do that? Matt Katz is coming in hot. I love I, it. I, mean, I don't understand. It takes me a while to digest. <laughs> So I I sometimes will put the f- fork down for a second. Maybe I'm gla- grabbing I, a I sip. I, I don't understand. Um, I also hate it when, let's say, I'm done and someone I'm meeting with is not done and yeah. they take my plate away. No, don't do that. Because then you make them feel like, yeah. like they you have, have to, to rush. rush. I totally. hate you know, the reason you don't get it in Europe as much is because people don't really work for tips there. They right. just have so, a salary. Yeah, so it so doesn't, doesn't matter really, how long you stay. They don't need stay. the turnover like they do in America. So they want to rush the fuck out of you. Right. I hate it. I'm with you. Good pet peeve. Um, favorite drunk food? I mean, it's Back so, yeah, it's really so like uh, <laughs> out of central casting that the Philly guy comes on and keeps talking about cheesesteaks. Hey, man. It I, is really it's tremendous. A magical, I, it's, a, it's a magical food, especially when you're drunk. I yes. mean, it, it, it like goes straight to your brain and just like plays all your neurons. It really does. Like a symphony. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you just pass out so nicely it's great um favorite hangover food you know i like a good everything bagel lox cream cheese nice um cucumber and onion no tomato although like you know 30 percent of the time they put the tomato on there Uh. do you like tomato on lox and cream cheese yeah i don't mind it bagel i feel like it overpowers the um the the juices of the tomato kind of get into everything and it overpowers it whereas you get a good crunch with the cucumber and the uh and 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 the onion playing off the the Oof. cream cheese. Favorite bagel place? Want to give a shout out? Uh, yes, Spread in Philly has uh, Montreal-style bagels. Oh, yeah. Montreal-style really bagels. They don't boil their bagels. They bake their bagels. Right. Delicious. Um, shout out to, uh, uh, oh, what's the place in Montreal? Saint-Viateur Bagels. Oh, is that the Yeah, that's the hot spot. Um, favorite celebrity chef? You know, I'm not a big... Not not a big uh, not a TV big... food guy. You were a Bourdain guy, though. No? Yeah, a very. Yeah, I've watched several Bourdain things. I am very impressed by Bourdain. I know you love Bourdain. Yeah, I um some I get tired of food TV because I find out I find they run out of um, adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever? I'd like yeah. it's everything is. I, I feel like they describe oh. food often the way I describe food, which is they, I, and I don't know anything. Thing really, right? Oh, that is really good. That's excellent. Yeah, you know, it's always just as a put. I, I mean, oh, oh my, amazing, right? Yeah, get bust out your fucking thesaurus, Rachel totally, Ray. Totally, <laughs> totally, or tell me what you're tasting. And yeah, sometimes you get, oh, there's a mix of the sweet and the savory. I feel like that's the most detailed evaluation of food they give. They always bullshit with that too. They're like, oh, the lemon cuts the fat perfectly. Shut the fuck right, up. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the lemon cuts the fat. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, any least favorite celebrity chef, or you're just not in that world? Who's that guy? There's a famous guy who makes super shitty restaurants. That the is it Mario Batelli? No, Mario Batelli's restaurant. Oh, he's good. good. Who's the guy the that the Times always trashes his celebrity restaurants? Yeah, what's his name? Uh, 
Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Guy yeah, Fieri. I guess I guess I don't like that guy. I guess I, you know, why not? Pete Wells had such a legendary yeah, takedown of his restaurant right. that he opened in Times Square. You guys got to look that I up. I don't like the idea of somebody being famous on TV and then thinking he can just make you know crappy what, restaurants and make money off it. I was it. talking to our good friend Mark Kawano. Yes. And he says that someone did like a side-by-side of like Bourdain versus Guy Fieri. Uh-huh. Guy Fieri apparently gives so much money to charity and oh, like really? does He's so many good causes and like Bourdain wasn't giving anything and okay. it was like I apparently take that back then. yeah I know I, I hate the guy too but it changed the way that I think about okay. him a little bit um, what food can't you stand what food do you hate beats beats by <laughs> sorry give me a second uh, you hate beets huh yeah really yeah I don't like the way they look I don't like the way they kind of when you Put your fork in Whoa. and kind of bleed. You're like racist against beets. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that color. <laughs> Get them out of my fucking neighborhood. I mean, they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they over, yeah, over. I, now I can't describe them at all. Oh, they just set it up. Does the lemon cut through the, <laughs> yeah, right. the beet taste? Right. Um, you, li- you like beets. You know what? I do like beets, but I do think that beets are overdone. If I see another goat cheese walnut beet salad totally. at a fucking restaurant, I'm going to flip it. Yeah, table. why is that always in the. <sighs> I don't know, man. People lost their shit for that when that came out. And it's like, I'm so over it. Right. I, it's like uh, Brussels sprouts has taken their place I as think it, the most overdone. I, I feel like it's used a lot just because it's it, the color and adds a little, you know. As a little color. They're annoying to cook, though. You have to like, wrap them in foil and boil them and then take them out. And, and they're. The skin is shitty to take off. Oh, I bet. I'm with you. And then you and then you think you have fucking prostate cancer the next day you piss because you forgot <laughs> you had beets. Oh, is that true? It's like asparagus. It changes the it changes your, your pee turns red, dude. And then you're like, what the fuck? And you're like, oh yeah, fucking beets. I did beets. not know that. It's That's not crazy. worth the cancer panic you get. Wow, do people call, <laughs> go to their doctors, and they just found out they had a beet walnut I, salad from Au Bon Pond the day before? <laughs> I bet it's the first question every urologist asks. Did you have beets? Oh, I did have beets. It's fucking funny. Beets. It's always what weird. else? The asparagus makes it asparagus smell. Asparagus makes it smell weird, but it doesn't make what else you think you have your cancer. Urine? Is there, those the only two things? I think that's it. What weird fucking vegetables? We change your urine. Go fuck yourself, beets. Asparagus. <laughs> uh, Matt, this is this was my favorite conversation uh, in general that I've ever had. Wow, I love talking to you. I love always. you. Uh, uh, through and through, and it's fun. We're not yelling at each other about politics. I know. As well. When we well, we'll do that in Japan. We'll, or, we're or gonna... after this when we go out for lunch. Um, but thank you so much for making it, Matt Katz. Everyone, thank Matt, where can we follow you? Oh, uh, at Matt Katz zero zero on Twitter. M A T T K A T Z zero. Oh, you know what I didn't mention in your credits? What's that? Sarah Jessica Parker's favorite voice. Oh yes, she said that. She told me that during a pledge drive at WNYC. It was an amazing moment. Amazing. She uh, smelled very good because she has a Okay, don't make it creepy. SJP. Don't make it creepy, Matt. <laughs> don't make it creepy, bro. Um, okay. We'll and, stop it right uh, there. And as always, you can see all the restaurants that we named are going to be links to them, including Mr. Chicken. The wow. link that doesn't work. All their links are going to be in the Instagram. <laughs> Matt Katz, I love you. Thank you for love being you here. Love you too. Thanks, Dan. This has been Green Eggs and Dan. Until next time, uh, I need a catchphrase. Oh, yeah. Keep. Stop vomiting. Stop vomiting and keep your food down. (laughs) This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. 
Special thanks to brother Chris, Chris Moreau, Engine Room Studios, and the rest of the Loudspeakers Network. To see pictures of Matt Katz's fridge, information about the restaurants mentioned in today's episode, and more, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at StandUpDan. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.